0: Yo, this is Pastor Tita here, welcoming you to another episode of my revolutionary podcast, where I'm here to help you find faith in Christ and how to follow through with your life. And in today's deep dive, we are going to revisit my sermon from Psalms 77, which was titled "A Well Not A Confidence in a Time of Crisis." Confidence in a time of crisis, and the crisis that we were talking about is a crisis of faith. That's a big one. Uh, I'm not sure if you are familiar with uh, this term. Again, this was, uh, you know, part of the deep dives. If is your first time watching. Uh, the deep dives are just really gives me an opportunity to reflect uh, a little bit more on the post on what was said and what was done. Any questions that have come up since I preached with when it comes to friends and family and members, you know, church family that we discuss. And just also just again, just gives me an opportunity to be able to look back on something that I just It it just didn't fit, you know, it didn't fit because it wasn't the the point of that moment. And so I wanted to or just I didn't have time. Right. Because I want to make sure on my on my sermons, I'm not just kind of out there just sharing all this information for the sake of it. You know, I want to make sure all that is said and done, especially in a context of a Sunday is going to lead you to Christ, lead you to put your focus on him. But I do want to really slow down on a certain section. Which is that part right there, right? Having that crisis of faith. There is a, a term, if you put hashtag, right, you can look at this hashtag TikTok is a big one I'm seeing right now. YouTube, it's been there. This is not just a new thing. Um, this is something that is, seems to be growing in popularity, and it's called deconstruction, okay? Deconstructing one's faith. These are people who grew up believing. Who were maybe grew up believing in church, um, or just became believers, and for some reason of one, and it could be a lot of different reasons, they had a again a crisis of faith where they were challenged what they believed and what they assumed and thought the Christianity was, the church was. They were challenged by something that caused them to rethink, all right, and so in, in essence deconstruct what they have believed to be true so that they can construct their faith, uh, reconstruct it again. So deconstruct in order to reconstruct. Um, we see that the author of this psalm, in essence, have that moment as he seems to be deconstructing as he's going through all these questions. And, and I wanted to let you know, you know, sometimes and I don't know, this is going to be a little weird. All right. So this, again, this is why I can't fit everything on a Sunday. If not, I talk for a while. Um, there are I hear a lot of very heartfelt issues you know uh, heart, heartfelt questions and wrestling that people have that are deconstructing and it makes me you know it makes me think a lot because especially I, I hear them, and some of the things are just really sad it's it's these are Christians or Christians in name only, you know wolves in sheep's clothing that have presented themselves in one way and then you know these these people that believe in this leader, this church, and then, you know, totally either they abuse their power, or they you know, f- just things aren't just matching up, you know. And then they they looked up to an individual, looked up to this person, then there's a moral failure, or, um, or they they kind of believe that the church is one thing, and then they read the Bible and say, wait a minute, but it looks like we should be doing other stuff. Like what's going on? How come we're not doing that? And you know th- there are. There are some complaints where people would say, you know, know, like, I was having doubts and I didn't want to say anything. I was doubt, I I didn't feel comfortable. And maybe, you know, like I said, this is not a one thing and it's kind of across the board universal thing that, you know, there are a lot of churches that they shy away from the difficult questions. There are a lot of churches that seem to just give this vibe that, uh, questions like that or, or, you know, questioning one's faith is... You know, I don't know, to sin in, in and of itself. Like it's like and so they don't welcome that. And so people then wrestle with that and they feel, well, if I'm having this kind of doubt, then what kind of Christian am I? Maybe I'm not one. Why well, I'm, I'm such a horrible one, you know, or then when you they've been given the advice, like saying, Well, I'm having trouble believing, and then the advice is, Well, what you need to do is just believe. And then I'm like, Why didn't I think of that? That just is so enlightening. I can't believe that I didn't think my issue with believing is I just need to believe more. I'm like, no. Okay. That's not the point neither. And then that's a horrible answer. So I understand. And I I see why some people have gone that route and, and kind of really began to question because they begin to see, and then it's like, wait a minute, things don't work. Seeing things don't match up or Or I've seen this too, where some people are deconstructing and they say, well, God is a God of love. And God says, love your neighbor and this and that. But then my church is not welcoming to certain people, people with different sexual identities or this or that. And my church is not welcoming. I mean, it's it's not uh, they're not loving these people. Now, in this case, if there is a church that is, you know, wishing, speaking, doing um, trauma, intentional, unnecessarily, then uh, yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that, regardless of what sin we're trying to affirm today. You know, I, I'm with you. Okay. To a certain extent on that, you, you know, just because God as, uh, m- is making us right. If you're a believer, a true believer in Christ and he's making you right, doesn't make it right to just kind of pop off on people. No, uh, no. Um, but I do know and see that there are people who are deconstructing that what they're doing is not deconstructing their faith they're deconstructing the truth they're deconstructing the revealed word of god and they're deconstructing reality really and then building up their own reality that fits their desires and so i'm i'm with anyone struggling with the how can you match this what this says to what this says and and i don't understand and then I'm I'm with you with there. I'm I'm all I'm tracking with you, but I just want to, but it weighs heavy on my heart. Again, it concerns me when, when deconstructing really becomes deconstructing truth. And when it comes to, well, if God says we're supposed to love people, then that means, you know, to, to love people means we need to affirm sin. I'm like, no, that is the most unloving thing you can do. Let me be real with you. The most unloving thing you can do is deconstruct and reconstruct, okay, affirm a sinful lifestyle that encourages the individual, all right, to be Lord of their own life and believe that God's going to rubber stamp, all right, their life and salvation because he's just cool like that. He's just the bouncer that's going to let everybody in. That is the most unloving thing that we can do. Jesus was not like that. Jesus was not like that. I mean, I've heard and read in some books that, you know, people who are the most unlike Jesus liked Jesus. And there is a truth to that. People who are the most unlike Jesus liked Jesus because Jesus loved them. He would go to those. Now, he would go to the rich and the powerful and call them out. And he would go to the, I mean, he would love the rich. And I mean, there were some people up there. He would love them. He wasn't just kind of, you know, bashing them and just like, yo, I'm on team poor here. And I was like, no, you know, he would bash the prideful, bash those with more that should have been doing stuff. He would bash those that had power that abused it. Oh, all day. You you could see it. And then the others that weren't, okay. You know, it was a little different because they were being faithful and more faithful than not. But then you got the poor side and we're just not going to assume and think, well, you know, Jesus identified with those that didn't have any who were cast off, who were the least of these. Yes, he did. But he didn't go and affirm. He didn't affirm their sinful lifestyle either. You know, they loved Jesus. People that were not like Jesus, meaning not perfect. We see in the scriptures, they liked him. They liked him for many reasons. They liked him because... Man, he would say and show, like, listen, the God that you think you know about, the the God that they tell you has abandoned you, the God that they think, okay? The the God that you think, because of what they've said, I mean, the religious leaders— that he does, there's no hope for you. No, there is hope. God still loves you. God rejoices when a sinner is lost. That was the whole point of the parables of the prodigal son and the, pro, the, the what was it, the prodigal son, the lost sheep and the lost coin, right, the lost son. Th- that was the whole point of that parable is that, listen, God loves you. You might be lost, but he has not fallen out of love with you, even if you are lost. But Jesus was clear, yo, you lost. You lost and need to be found. You need to be found. And that you, you have not outsinned God's love, but you have still sinned. He told the woman that was caught, the, that was, I mean, it was a horrible situation. The, the woman that was caught in the middle of adultery, and they brought her to be stoned. Yet, if she was, according to the law, they probably should have brought the fella too. But, you know, these guys are just playing games, um, trying to trap Jesus or so whatever. What did Jesus tell her? Where are your accusers after he did that? I mean, you, know, you got to read the story to get the rest. But he says to this lady, as everybody bolts and takes off, they were about to kill her. Jesus steps in, saves her life, and he says, where are your accusers? I don't see them. No, they're not. They're not here. They're gone. Cool. And Jesus says, well, guess what? Don't sin anymore. In essence, he's calling her out, affirming, listen, you know what you did was wrong. But you know what? God still loves you. There's still hope. Turn to him. And so that's the thing that we, I want you guys, uh, you know, as as we're looking at all of this, we need to be very careful. Um, If you are having a crisis of faith— Number one, it's normal. I think that there's there's even the most, faith, I mean, even me, like I was kind of talking about on Sunday, there's times where I'm like, wait, did I hear God right? Like, uh, did I hear God right? Did I, did I misunderstand what I'm supposed to be doing right now? Um, how come things aren't working out the way they are? You know, I, I have those too. But it's in those moments, man, that when you just press in and lean in. I mean, God invites you, invites us to come forward, invites us to present our questions, our concerns. We lay all things down at the foot of the cross. Nothing is out of bounds. Okay, God is, as we saw in that psalm, God was not offended by his complaining. He was not offended by his questioning of God's character. He was not. God recorded this prayer and preserved it in scriptures. He's not offended by that. In the thing, I mean, it's there so we can see, listen, if you are, if you're feeling this way, you're not the only one. But just in the same way, this person had that revelation, that shift in verse 11. Guys, we can have that too. As long as we don't allow the fill in the blanks, you know, those blanks, blank moments in our lives, blank moments in our faith to be filled with a lie. And that's why we need to constantly return and do do what he did. He remembered the past. He remembered God, what God has done. He's remembered the promises that he has written. And so he regrounded himself. He regrounded himself back in the truth. And when he did, God revealed him. Listen, I want you to know, talking about deconstructing, God is the one who's really in the middle of constructing something. When you look at the, when you look at the apostles, God is building a church. And I'm just talking about a building. I'm talking about a people. All right. He is building a church. Paul would use metaphors of a body, but he would also use metaphors of a structure. And, and, you know, in the same way that a building has, you know, pillars and, and this and that, and it goes together, God is making you into a people, into a structure, a living structure. God is in the middle of constructing. And a lot of times, you know, we are in his hands. We're just a lump of clay that he's molding. And so listen, if some of us, some of us, sometimes God needs to kind of help us to unlearn something so that we can learn true. So look, I've done that where I've come to assume a certain reality. or I've looked at the truth of God and I realized, okay, this is what it means only to realize I was off or only to realize that my understanding was still small. And that God wanted to amplify that even more. And so that's an important thing. So I'm I'm hoping that you guys watching, listening, we're encouraged that if you are in a crisis of faith, we can still have confidence. You you don't have to feel that you need to unlearn something. In fact, there's a couple books I'm I'm looking up to right now that I'm seeing have on my shelf right above me. Um, Pastor Andy Stanley really is consumed by he loves and really is interested by those who deconstruct their faith, why they do it. And a lot of times those who deconstruct their faith are because they, and I've noticed this and I've, I've seen this too, is that they have built, they've constructed their faith on a faulty foundation. Maybe they constructed their faith on this idea or on this perception of scripture or this, you know, this idea of a certain part of the Bible that they constructed their faith on the Bible. Let's be real. They constructed their faith on the Bible. But then when certain elements that they've of the Bible seem to conflict the foundation, the certain parts of the Bible that they've only read and they believe, and when they see other things, I'm like, wait, 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 hold on. And listen, and then then they begin to shake. They begin to, you know, the foundation begins to be shook. All right, whatever it is, and then it begins to crumble. And listen, I, I want you guys to know that the foundation of the Christian faith is not the Bible there was no Bible the way we have the Bible now for over 300 years after Jesus died on the cross and rose from the grave. The early church had no Bible the way we do. They had segments of the Old Testament, the, the Hebrew Bible, and copies of letters from the apostles and different things that they would have more than what is preserved in Scripture. And there's a reason why i for a story for another day. But I want to encourage you. I want you to know. That if you, your faith, our faith should never be grounded on the Bible. If, if it is, you need to deconstruct in order to construct your faith on, on something that we're supposed to. And it's, just, it's what Jesus told us to do. So Paul told us to do. Peter told us to do. Everybody in the New Testament. We construct our faith on the foundation of the resurrection. Without the resurrection, we have nothing to stand on. We have no ground to be grounded on without the resurrection. That is the key. Everything was written because Jesus was risen. And we see this and know this to be true. All right. And there's a a whole lot of things that we can go there. But we see that, that that's the one part right there that I want you to understand. That is the foundation because it is in Christ and Christ alone. That God's word rests in God's words and God stands for God. Jesus himself said, I fulfilled the law. Now, just because he fulfilled it, this doesn't mean that it's all canceled because there's principles that are eternal. But he has fulfilled it because you and I have not. You and I can't. It's impossible. And so that's why we need to continue to return, remember, reflect, all right, in the nature and who God is, what he has done and what he has revealed, all right, what he's revealed. Because it's like the more you watch, the more you see, and and I'm gonna be real with you right now as I'm recording this. It's the March fourth. Tomorrow, March fifth is gonna be the big season finale of One Division. Okay, um, some of you guys, you know, maybe you'd be watching it. That's pretty cool. Now there's this big debate on who's the big cameo reveal right and this and that and, and i watch on tiktok and i watch on youtube you know all these things and and I've, and I've seen it before with people relooking old marvel movies and every time they re-watch the episodes of wandavision or they re-watch movies they see things that were there all along that they didn't notice before and it's usually subtle things things it was just a little bit here that now kind of amplifies the um, the reality amplifies their thing you know it's, it's like people who watch Pixar movies and love re-watching it to find all of the interconnected like Pixar universe stuff that's kind of like all intermixed when you see the Buzz Lightyear toy in the lobby of the dentist in Finding Nemo where Darla goes you know things like that um we, we rewatch things. We see things that weren't there anymore, right? I don't know how many times I've rewatched The Office and I keep on seeing new elements, seeing new jokes, seeing things that I didn't see before. Listen, it's the same thing. We do this every Sunday. That's or every week. As it, and by the way, uh, if you're a Christian, you shouldn't just do this once a week. We should do it every day. This is we do the same thing. We reread scripture, we preach again the same. I mean, it's gonna be Easter in a month. We're gonna preach the same tired story. That Jesus rose from the dead. But the more we reflect and the more we we reread, the more we restudy, the more we remember, the more those little details, the more things are revealed. And Jesus and God reveals more and more. The Holy Spirit will reveal those things to us. This is why, I mean, I literally can preach the same verse, and I've actually thought about this. Preaching one verse for a few weeks in a row, but yet preaching different aspects and elements of that verse to kind of like show the layers. Like I I might do that one day, who knows? Um, but that's the proof. It's just like to give that example, to get that model that man, the more we reflect and the more we read, the more the Holy spirit will reveal. The more he will reveal, reveal the truth, the more he wants us, because that's what the Holy Spirit is going to do. He's going to comfort us and guide us and remind us of all truth in order to lead us into all truth, meaning that we need to ground ourselves in the truth. And in the truth is rooted in the resurrection, because that is the ultimate proof of it all right there. And so we see the shift that happened in Psalm 77 in the author. He was having a crisis of faith and then found confidence because the more he reflected, Has my God changed? It's like the second he asked the question, has God changed? The truth came up and was like, no, he hasn't. He doesn't. I have never seen one piece of evidence in all of our Jewish history that has ever proven that God is unfaithful. In fact, the opposite is true. We are the ones that are unfaithful. We are the ones that forget. We are the ones that are the forgetful people. But God is always faithful. We're forgetful. God's faithful. And that encouraged him. And so I want to encourage you guys in the same way to just do that. You know, listen, like making sure that we are understand what reading the Bible is, understanding what living out God's word is, because that's another one. It's not just the the theoretical Okay, The idea, but then the practicality, actually doing something. The more we obey, the more we follow through, the more we do what God asks us to do by his power, not in ours. By his strength, not in ours. By his goodness, not in ours. The more we do that by his love, not in ours. All right? His understanding, not in ours. Um, the more we do that, even in the application, the more God reveals. See, when we hear God and we believe in God and then we obey Because of what we have come to see, the better we hear, the the more we'll want to obey, the more we'll want to believe. And then the more we want to obey and the more we want to obey, the more God reveals to us, the more we will hear and see. And so then the more we end up believing and boom, boom, round and round we go. And now we're constructing our faith in the reality and in the revelation of the nature and the character of a real life living mighty God. That's what's important. That's what the author of Psalm 77 did. That's what we need to do. He relived the glory days in a different way. You know, I know we mentioned this, right? Um, This is actually something that I didn't mention. I thought I I wanted to mention it to you today. Listen, we don't relive the glory days. Believers in Christ don't relive the glory days because we have nothing to look forward to. Okay, that's what some people do right? They relive the glory days because there's nothing in the present that gets them exciting and there's nothing in the future that they have nothing to look forward to. So they just relive the glory days. That's not us. But yet we do relive the glory days. It is important for us too, when we remember all God has done, not only in the scriptures, remembering prayers, remembering things that He has done in our lives, remembering miracles that God has done, remembering the ultimate miracle when God forgave you of your sins, when you place your trust and confidence in him. When 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 the whole when you receive the Holy Spirit, we we need to remember those anchor moments in the past because we are reliving glory days. We are reliving the glory of God revealed to us, revealed to the world in God's word. When we read the scriptures, we are reliving the glory days, but we don't relive the glory days because we have nothing to look forward to, the complete opposite. We relive, the, when we look into the past, we relive the glory days. And when we look into the future as believers, we remember that the ultimate glory days are ahead. The ultimate glory days are ahead. We have them in the past to relive, and we have them in the future, okay, to reflect on. And those two, man, anchor us and propel us forward in Christ. That's what it means, man, when we see in the in the New Testament, we see that God, Paul would say that God is leading us from glory to glory, okay? doesn't mean that, you know, the, by the way, the, the glory to glory is when the glory was revealed to you in salvation, and when the glory is revealed to you in salvation consummation okay meaning when all when jesus comes back and sets all things right that in between okay is a process and god brings us through that process and the more you know it doesn't mean glory to glory doesn't mean that you know life gets better all the time individually incrementally no because and then some people think that believe that and then they're disappointed then they deconstruct their faith and then they abandon the faith no god didn't promise us that he said from this glory to future glory from our past glory To salvation, future glory, and consummation. He is going to bring us. He will guide us through. Hold his hand. At the end of Psalm 77, he says, Lord, you held the hand of your people. Guys, listen, he wants to hold us by the hand and lead us by the hand. That's an important one. And so I want to make sure you, excuse me, I want to make sure that you guys hold on. Tighten your grip on him. Uh, this was a story that um, I've shared before. It's been a long time. I, I never shared it on a deep dive, so here you go. Talking talk about tighten your grip. Me and Alicia had a bed that my in-laws gave us that had these planks that were uh, the bed frame, okay? So you had the regular bed frame, you know, here's your square, and then you had these planks that would connect in the middle, and you know, just kind of creating kind of grid there. Well, in the upper right-hand side where my wife sleeps on her side by her head up there, apparently i didn't tighten the screws all the way at least that one um and so what was happening was is that there was this phenomenon that was happening every you know almost every night where depending on how we would move and sleep mainly her she uh some of the planks those two planks that were by her head would pop off and then others would pop off and then the bed would just boom kind of come down and then she would roll off the bed onto the ground and i'm rolling right after her okay because that's just that's uh, just what happened. And it used to be so frustrating and it created so much anxiety because, man, we did not know, are we going to make it through the night perfect or are we end up going to be shook awake rolling down a hill? You know, it's like a, like a nightmare that we're living, whatever. And so the thing is that we were so frustrated and I was like, man, I, this does not make sense. This does not make sense. I tried. I tried this. I tried that. It was just so many things until I realized there was a screw that was a little hidden that was not tight. When I tightened up that screw, guess what? no more problems. That was it. The problem, the f- the foundation of the bed was off, even though it was just a little bit. It made a big difference. It made a big, big difference. And so it was important that, and then after that, I started to go back. And I'm like, all right, let me make sure. And from time to time, I would see, oh, it's a little loose now. Okay. So I tighten it up, tighten it up, tighten it up. Guys, that's what you and I do. Every t- Every Sunday is us tightening up, <clears throat> tightening up our faith, regrounding ourselves in the truth, because you and I, you and I have a tendency to drift. Okay. You and I have a tendency to wander. This is why we need the anchor of our life. The an- We need to anchor our mind, our soul, our spirit, our belief. We anchor our faith in something that is solid, time tested and true. In the resurrection of Jesus that affirms the truth of the scriptures. That is the ultimate anchor. So if you ever feel like you're, you're, you know, the the things in life, the crisis in your life, or the questions that you're having, will cause you to drift a little bit. But hopefully, just like anything else, okay, just like a boat that is anchored to the ground, but yet there's a little slack on the rope, right? Just as a boat would get pulled by the waves, but the second that the rope hit its limit, it'd be, yeah, you know, it would hit taut and tight, and in that moment, you're gonna remember, oh wait. My God doesn't change. I know who my God is. That's right. I know who my God is. That's the anchor that we need. It's Christ. Christ and Christ alone. And so, guys, I want to encourage you as we kind of wrap this up. I got a quote from A.W. Tozer and a silly reflection that I'm going to bring up. But that's what we do every Sunday. That's what we. That's what I'm trying to do here with you guys, giving you an opportunity to just, again, tighten up, tighten up, tighten up. So that way, because, listen, just being a little off can make a big difference. so, man, tighten up. Tighten up. Tighten up in the truth. Tighten up in the truth is really, really important. And it's a great truth to remember is what the author came to realize is that he was in a desperate, desperate situation. And then you remember, wait a minute. God's on. Not God's on my side. Mm, That's right. I'm on God's side. God doesn't change and God don't lose. This is kind of like those athletes. If you've ever seen, there's these uh, individuals, right, that man, when you just got a certain player on your team. It's like it doesn't matter what the score is, you always feel like you're in the game, even if you're losing. I mean, back when I was growing up in basketball, man, like, again, Michael Jordan. If Michael Jordan was on your team, maybe today, yo, you got LeBron, you got Curry, right? You got different players. Well, in football, I, I'm a Miami Dolphins fan, and so the players would constantly say, man, we had Dan Marino on the team. Dan Marino was. Uh, You know, there would be no Patrick Mahomes if it wasn't for Marino. Okay, and so he was he was the Mahomes before there was one. And so Marino goes in and and just like Mahomes, both these guys and Tom Brady, too, they would say, okay, they would say that, man, when you just got that guy on your team it doesn't matter. It, it The score almost doesn't matter. You just feel like you're still in it. There's that level of confidence, right? Yo, we're down 20 points, right? We're down 15. We're down seven, you know, whatever. We're down three points with 20 seconds left. But the team would just say, it didn't matter. We just had this level of confidence because we know, we know who this guy is. This guy's amazing. This guy's great. There's no one like him. And he's proven before that, man, this this person has done miracles. Coming back, look at Mahomes in the Super Bowl, right? Look at that amazing thing. Look at Brady a couple years in the Super Bowl. I mean, Marino had the set the record for at one point for the most comeback wins. Like, man, this guy has a track record of coming from behind and winning and pulling it out. He, would, he This guy has a track record. And so the players just had this confidence and be like, Shh, I don't care what the score is. We got this guy on the team. We're in the game. Listen. If, if players if athletes can feel like that with human beings how do we not feel like that when we got Christ Jesus on the team when he said man I mean he was this guy was down and out dead three days dude still came back I mean Jesus is the ultimate comeback kid I mean the ultimate comeback king it's him it's Jesus. And in the same way, we just know that it doesn't matter what things look like on the outside. It doesn't matter what our circumstances are going through, right? The, the, or the internal wrestling. I have my God. I'm in the game. That's, that's that confidence in this, in the place of crisis. In the time of crisis, it's in the character of the timeless character of God, man. We just know who he is. He don't lose. He don't miss. He don't fail. And that gives us that sense of confidence to press on and to press through in the midst of crisis. And I want you to know that God has that for you. He wants to be that anchor. All right, because remember, grounding, someone who is grounded is someone who is confident, sure, and unshakable. And that is the description of anyone who is a believer and a true regenerate believer in Christ Jesus, believing That he died on the cross, perfect sacrifice, replacement for our sins, rose from the dead, conquering sin and death so that our sins can be conquered and forgiven. And so I end you with a quote from A.W. Tozer. He says this, Christians should be the, the boldest people in the world. Christians should be the boldest people in the world. Not cocky and sure of ourselves, but sure of him being God. We should be the most boldest people in the world because we are sure of who God is. That's the difference maker. That is the anchor. That, all right, is where we are grounded, not in an idea. Our faith is not grounded in an idea. Our faith is grounded in a risen Savior.